You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 136. All links and show notes can be found by going to lifecoachingforparents.com slash 136. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Hello, supermoms. I'm so excited to bring you this podcast episode today. But before we get into it, I want to tell you that signups for my Time for the Talk class are happening now. My class is starting on October 25th. And so this is episode is coming out on the 18th, 19th. You might be listening to this. So if you have a 9 to 12-year-old and you're interested in my Time for the Talk class, make sure you go to timeforthetalk.com, check it out, and sign up before the 25th when it begins. And also before the 20th, if you can, because the 20th is the parental pep talk and preview. So we, uh, you get a chance to ask questions, review the curriculum on the 20th. And then if you decide after attending the preview that it's not a good timing or not the right fit, that is absolutely fine. You'll have your money refunded. But if you have a friend that you want to sign up with, then you and your friend can both save $50. So make sure you're going over to timeforthetalk.com and check it out and enjoy today's episode. Oh, I wanted to add one more thing. I have a mom who's talking about the long-term effects of taking this class with her kids, and I thought you might like to hear what she has to say. I was just going to say, you know, having done it with my three older kids who are now um, 17, 20, and 21, um, it really gave them a, a pretty fabulous foundation for just their life. I really feel like it was a gift that we gave them. I mean, it was awkward. I'm, don't get me wrong. That first class, I was all squirmy <laughs> and giggly, but it just really gave them a foundation. And I was talking to my daughter, my 21-year-old today and telling her we were doing this. And, and she just said, mom, that's so great. Like that's just really setting them up for success. My son said, really, you have to do it again. You've done it three times. Like, aren't you an expert? But my daughter was just really grateful that you know, I was giving that gift to her little sister and it really has just opened the lines of communication up, especially with my daughter, you know, boys are kind of a different, a different beast, but, um, you know, we can talk about anything really. I mean, we got all that awkward stuff out of the way and now there's nothing that is not awkward. And I think it really, really helped her like high school, teenage years, just having that open line of communication with everything. So that's what I'm hoping you know, that Abby has as well. Hello, super moms and super dads. We are here today to talk about five ways to have the talk with your kids without making it awkward. So by the talk, we mean talking to your kids about puberty and the changes that they're going to be going through, sex, how babies are made, childbirth and sexuality, gender, all the things that your kids need to know while transitioning from a child into a grown-up. So this is a talk that's very easy for a lot of parents to avoid. 
So we're going to talk about how to do it in a way that keeps it from being cringy and awkward. So if you have a 9 to 13-year-old at home, this free masterclass is for you. You will learn what information to give, how to talk so that they can actually listen, and why it's important that parents are involved in the conversation. So you are in the right place if you, number one, want an open relationship with your child where you can talk about anything. That's really the main purpose of this class is to help you understand that talking to our kids about sex and some of these difficult, challenging topics really opens up the lines of communication with between you and your child that can last throughout the teen years. So if you want to take an active role in helping them prepare for the teen years, be successful in their future, but maybe you aren't sure exactly what to say or how much information to give, then this is a great class for you today. So my goal with this class is to help you understand that having the talk with your nine to 12 year old is the best way to keep communication lines open throughout adolescence. That this is really a wonderful opportunity for parents to show and demonstrate to their kids that they are open to talking about difficult topics or things that might be challenging or embarrassing. And when you can set the stage for this at a young age, before your children are in those teen years, then they will remember that you are the person to turn to and that they don't have to turn to their friends or YouTubers or Google to seek help and information. So who am I? I am Tori Henderson. I have been teaching sex education classes for a few decades now. It makes me feel old to say exactly how many. But since my 20s, I've been teaching sex education for parents and kids to take together. I see a lot of magic when that happens. Uh, I've been asked many, many times by schools to come in and teach just the kids. And I always say no, because I love to have the parents involved. So I work as a life coach for parents. I call that my day job. And then in the evenings, I teach classes, sex education classes, uh, or I will coach teenagers sometimes. I used to work in the classroom. I did a lot of part-time and full-time work as a classroom teacher. I used to teach fourth grade. So the nine to 12 year olds are really my sweet spot. They are just my favorite. I adore hanging out with them. If I could hang out with any group of people on the planet, it would be nine to 12 year olds. But I also enjoy hanging out with grownups sometimes too. So I'm the owner of Life Coaching for Parents and creator of Time for the Talk, which is a class that I offer. And I'm going to, I'll talk more about that at the end of this class. And I'm also host of the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. So you might've heard from me there. (laughs) So in this masterclass, you will learn where your kids are getting their sex education, why taking an active role in your child's sex education will build a connection that will last a lifetime. And then we're gonna talk about five easy ways to start the talk without making it awkward, okay? So first I want you to think about Where do you think your kids are getting their sex education? So researchers show that most parents want to be the primary sex educators of their children. I think it was about 84% who thought it was their job that they should be the ones to talk to their kids 
about sex and puberty and growing up. And yet research shows that about 4% of parents truly are the primary sex educators of their kids. So why that huge discrepancy? It's like 84% want to be and 4% are. Okay, so if kids aren't getting their sex education primarily from parents, where are they getting it? Well, in the olden days, if you think back to where you got your sex education, it could have been from friends, could have been from um, school, from reading novels, books, maybe. Uh, Maybe your parents had talks with you. Maybe you got it from television shows. Well, those are all still very relevant today that kids are definitely getting sex education from all of those places. Um, But it might not be presented in the way you want or a thorough factual education when you're hearing about it at summer camp (laughs) or uh, sixth grade science camp, I understand, as a great sex educator. So what's happening with kids and their sex education? Of course, the internet has changed the landscape for a lot of it. So easy accessibility to inappropriate content has made the internet our children's primary sex educator now. So the statistics of online porn, gosh, I don't have the updated ones, but I will talk about them in the parent preview. They are just growing exponentially every year. The amount of access to online pornography that kids are seeing sometimes on accident, sometimes on purpose, but um, it's just getting out there. And of course, our TV shows and the accessibility to Netflix and things are just becoming uh, racier, we'll say, and uh, more available to our young children. So I was telling my friend about this show I was watching that I was really funny, but I felt so embarrassed to admit I was watching it. And I didn't want anybody else in the room watching it with me because I didn't want them to see it because it was so over the top. So like, felt like soft porn. I mean, it was really embarrassing to me as an adult to watch the show, but I loved it because it was so funny. And I told my friend what this show was. I told her it was, it's shameless for those who are interested. And she, her jaw drops, her face went pale. And she's like, oh my God, my 12-year-old daughter has been watching that. I saw it in her Netflix queue, like continued watching. And she had no idea that her daughter was watching Shameless or knew what Shameless was or that it was such a... Probably not the introduction to sex education that you want your 12-year-old to have. Okay. So that is to definitely change the landscape. Boy code, as I call it, is something that I'll I'll tell you what, what I call boy code. It's when your friend shows you some inappropriate video and you have to act like you like it or you have to act Haha, that's funny, even though on the inside you think that's crass or gross or rude or inappropriate, that there's this sort of unwritten code amongst pubescent boys where you don't say that aloud, where girls have more permission to be like, ew, gross, I don't like that. Boys, it's sort of like you're going to be made fun of if you don't act like you like it. So this is kind of happening in some 
places also. So a lot of kids are getting their sex education from the internet and then sharing it with their friends right? It's not just like, maybe your kid has no access to the internet, but then they go to school and their kid's like, Hey, did you see this video? Oh, you got to see this. This is funny. And they're sharing it amongst each other. The other place in which kids are getting their uh, sex education that we didn't worry about was, or is cell phones, right? Uh, We didn't have the smartphones that they have today with access to the internet. And it's really changed the landscape. So in the past, you might have shared books with your friends or rumors, you know, gossip. Maybe you watch TV shows with your friends. But now cell phones is, um, the reason it's different is because you can be by yourself in a bathroom, sitting on the toilet with nobody around you and have access to the world through your cell phones. So what this does is it makes it feel like it's very private. And yet, as soon as you click send, it turns into public. So this is why we're seeing a lot of sexting, a lot of kids texting, you know, pictures of their bodies to their boyfriends without clothes on or whatever, um, dick pics and things. And it's just getting out. Like the entire middle school has exposure to the one picture you thought was just shared between you and your closest friend because it felt very private because you were alone in your bedroom, but now it has uh, access to the entire community. So that's really changed things for a lot of people. And um, there was a, a boy who went through my time for the talk class who was <laughs> who forgot the lesson we talked about on sexting. And he was texting with some uh, neighbor girls, some sisters, and they were playing truth or dare on their phones. I dare you to this. I dare you to tell me the truth. And they were just texting back and forth. Well, then the girls said, I dare you to send us a picture of your penis. And my the sweet kid, probably what, 12, 13 years old, took just a little people pleaser. He's like, well, okay, I guess that's a dare. I guess I'll do it. And he did it. And the girls received it and their instincts kicked in and said, oh, this is not okay. This is too much. And they went and showed their mom and their mom called his mom and his mom confronted him and they walked up the street and had to apologize to these girls. And it just kind of like became this bigger issue because texting naked pictures through the internet is considered distribution of child pornography. So it is a crime, a hard to prosecute crime, but it is certainly against the law. So things are changing for our poor little middle schoolers today and sometimes in very innocent ways. And they really need to have an education. And I believe the education needs to come from parents. So another place that the landscape has changed for sex education is the blurred lines between private and public information. So we talked about the cell phone sort of feeling private, um, but then communicating through a public medium. Well, now there's this reality television thing that has changed and YouTubers. So we used to have this saying that said, like, don't air your dirty laundry in public right? That you were certain, it was very clear what was private information and what was public information, and you didn't blur the lines. Well, now with the Kardashians and YouTubers, they get paid 
millions of dollars to air their dirty laundry in public. So today's teens and tweens are very confused about what is public and what is private information. And so they need a little help and encouraging from adults uh, to help them understand why it's appropriate for somebody to be on TV talking about masturbation and why you don't necessarily want to talk about that at the Thanksgiving dinner table with grandma and grandpa there. Okay. So just kind of helping them understand why it's appropriate in one public medium, but not another public medium. It's, it's, it's a wild new world. So here are the signs that your child is ready to have the talk with mom and dad. Number one, they are between the ages of nine to 12. So this is when puberty begins. Sometimes it can begin earlier, sometimes later. But even if your kid is not in puberty, their friends are if they're between the ages of nine to 12. And it's okay for them to know what everybody else is going through and talking about. Number two, sign your child is ready for the talk. Are their feet catching up with yours? Do you notice and when you pick them up from school or after uh, soccer practice, do you notice the smell of puberty starting? So kids always sweat, but when the hormones of puberty kick in, their sweat starts to smell. So if you are smelling puberty or their feet are starting to catch up, that's because the bones in the feet grow faster than the rest of the body. These are signs that puberty has started and it's a good time to know. And even if they are like, I was a late bloomer, so I did not start puberty until a much later age, but my best friend started at age eight and I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was that she and her mom started going to the bathroom together. And I was like, that's weird. Never um, saw them go to the bathroom before. So why now? And it was just, there's a lot of more secrets and it would have been nice for me to know what was happening and to understand about periods and privacy. Uh, that would have been nice. So either your child or their friends are starting puberty is a reason that it's time for the talk. Number three, your child is asking questions or wanting increased freedom to access the internet. So if they're complaining about too many restrictions on them and they want to be able to go on Snapchat or Instagram or YouTube and have free access, then I think that's a good sign that like, okay, well, let's put the cart before the horse. Um, and prepare them for some of the things that they might encounter with uh, increased access to the internet or just your child asking questions. That's a sign that they're ready and can handle it. And the last reason you're saying your child is ready for the talk is if they are in or entering middle school, that's because middle school is the great sex educator and they're going to expose to a lot. And I like them to have to hear about it from parents before they hear about it from peers. So you might be thinking, oh, Tori, my child is so innocent. I don't want to ruin their innocence by introducing them to sex and sexuality and starting to talk about some of these things. Like, I'm just not ready. <laughs> is a very common thing for parents to think. And sometimes we you know, we think, oh, things are, that's going over their head. They don't really understand it. And to that, I say, I love that your child is innocent. And certainly we want to preserve that. But I don't think that having the talk uh, with your child is, 
necessarily ruining their innocence. I think it can just be a talk about science and like, this is normal stuff. This is how babies are made and how people reproduce. And like one mom said, she says, my child is learning about sex education from nature documentaries. And it's so true. Like kids that grow up on farms, they have sex education right in front of them, but they still deserve to know how it works with humans and what the differences are. So uh, I think that even if it seems like it's going in their head, I get these little fourth grade girls who raise their hands and they say, um, I heard that sometimes men can't get an erection because they've been watching Viagra commercials. So you know that like you could take a pill if a man's not getting an erection or they'll say, but when you're pregnant, um, aren't you supposed to be really careful with what medicines you take? Like you can tell they've been watching all these pharmaceutical commercials. So it's pretty cute. Um, and sometimes in the classes, parents have found out that their child has been watching Bridgerton while without the parent knowing or shameless or other things that the parents are shocked to discover. So it's okay. Your child can preserve their innocence and still know about reproduction. And, but also just that good reminder that they might be more aware than you think they are. So my child doesn't have access to social media might be another argument a a parent might give to say, "Mm, I don't think I need to have the talk with my nine to 12 year old because they are still very uh, protected. And for this, I say, wonderful. I'm so glad your child doesn't have access to social media. Good for you. However, they go to a friend's house. They're at school. I remember my son in fifth grade sitting there in the classroom and the kid in front of him, like off to the side, was had uh, was watching some inappropriate video on his cell phone under the desk. So the teacher couldn't see it. And he's watching some sort of racy, sexist thing. And my son's like trying to listen to the teacher, but it's really hard when there's a video going on next to you, you know? Or I remember seeing being stuck in traffic at night and having somebody else's minivan. You know, they have the TV screens and the minivans. I don't think they do it anymore, but they used to have them like in the back of the seat. And so it's dark outside. All you see is this video playing in the minivan. And it was like a porn movie. And my kids are in the back seat and they're like, what's that movie? And I'm like, like, even if you try to protect your kids, there's so much out there and we want them to be a part of their community. And so I think it's better to empower them and tell them what to look out for and um, sculpt their curiosity so they don't feel like they have to go to their friend's house in order to um, have their questions answered because they're getting in the information they need at home. And then another, uh, I'll say, argument that a mom or dad might have is that my child hasn't started puberty yet. And so I don't think I need to tell them or have the talk with them. So if this is the case and their friends aren't, like I told you about like my friend who was eight years old and she had started puberty, they would have been good for me. But there is some validity to like, let's say you have the talk with them when they're nine and they're nowhere near puberty. It's so not relevant. They're not interested at all then it's probably going to be a conversation that you need to repeat every year as they get closer and it becomes more relevant. So sometimes you can 
hold off if your kid's not interested. You can also bring up the subject and start talking about it and start talking about, did you know it takes a man and a woman to make a baby? And see if they ask you further questions or if they change the subject and are totally bored. So you can kind of plant the seeds, see it, and then think, okay, well, maybe I can wait until they're 10. But for sure, by 10, you've got to have the talk. So kids are getting a sex education. It just might not be the one that you want them to have presented in the way you want them to have it with the values that you want. And just with things like, you know, teens getting arrested for child pornography without even realizing they're doing anything wrong. Like, it's just uh, fair to teach them and educate them about the realities and the facts of life. So I believe all kids need to have the facts by, I'll say, age 10 is because number the number one reason is they're going to hear about it from their friends very soon if they haven't already. And when their friends start talking about it, well, did you know that sex is when a woman puts her mouth on a man's penis? That's what I heard last. Did you know that? That they're going to hear this conversation and they'll be like, I don't need to listen to you. I got all the information at home. My parents already taught me. I took a class. I have a book on my bookshelf. Like that's silly. I don't need to tune in, okay? That's what I want them to have. Rather than being like, wait, what? Who does what to who? What sex? I think I've heard of that. And feeling like they need to get their information from other 10-year-olds, okay? So by age 10, they need accurate facts that this is your opportunity to show them that you are okay with all topics. And it empowers kids. Like uh, I just had a 14-year-old tell me, about what she liked about the time for the top class was that when it was taught in school or she went to you know sleepover parties, whatever, where it was talked about, she says, I knew what was true and what wasn't true. So that was very empowering for her. Um, and then just that reminder that some kids are starting puberty as early as eight or nine years old. And so I think it's important to to get there ahead of the time. Like I remember teaching this time for the talk class with, I had an 11 year old girl in the class taking it with her mom. And while she was taking the class, her nine-year-old little sister got her period. And the sister wasn't in the class, but the 11 year old was. And that mom hadn't thought that the nine-year-old was close to that. So it really took her off guard. Um, But it was nice that the 11 year old could tell her what she was learning in time for the talk. So what I want you to know is that there is a window of opportunity to have the talk with your kids. You don't want to wait until they're 13 years old. And it's like, now it's like really important and you really need them to know, but they're 13 and that door has literally shut. Like oftentimes at 13, the bedroom door closes, it locks. There's a privacy thing that comes over. They are more closed off to the subject because it's so private and personal and relevant to them. That between nine and 12, it's not as pressing. Um, 
They're curious. They want to know what's going to happen and what has started to happen. They're just still able to listen to their parents and they want to know what their parents think. They care about what your values are. And I can't tell you how many kids have said their favorite thing about the Time for the Talk class is spending one-on-one time with their mom or dad without their younger siblings around. Like they love that it's like something the two of them are doing together. And isn't that sweet? Because when they're 13, they may not feel the same way. (laughs) Not all 13 year olds, but it is an interesting age. Okay, so kids are getting a sixth education. Why do parents need to be involved? They're getting this education out there. It's hard to avoid. It's so rampant in the media and amongst teens through social media and YouTube, and just all the access. Why do parents need to be involved? Here's what the research is showing. Kids have learned to Google all the answers, right? They're like, mom, what's the capital of Ethiopia? You're like, I don't know. Google it. Look it up, right? (laughs) We've learned to delegate all unanswered questions to Siri. So our kids have learned that. If I have a question or I'm curious about something, all I do is I go and search on the computer or ask Siri. So there was a study back in 2018 in Spain, and they set out to find what teens seek in YouTube entertainment. By compiling videos tagged with teenage videos, researchers were able to determine a list of four prevalent themes of what teenagers are seeking in YouTube entertainment. Sex, drugs, bullying, and pregnancy. While the heaviness of these subjects might worry some parents, the study found teens mainly sought guidance in these weighty matters. According to the study, videos with a preventative educational component comprise the most heavily representative sub-theme of any of the four main themes. The study concluded that most teens were not searching for cheap thrills. They were searching for guidance because they have learned that guidance comes from the internet, not from mom and dad, even when it comes to big, heavy topics like sex, drugs, bullying, and pregnancy. So these were, you know, high school, older adolescents, but these tween years, these nine to 12 preteen years, these are the years to show kids through our actions that they can come to us. Kids need parents to provide accurate information. There's so much out there that is inaccurate. There's a lot of good information out there too. If you go on YouTube, oh my gosh, I just couldn't believe there's this whole like YouTube channel dedicated to masturbation hacks. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) but there's some good quality information out there, right? But you have no idea what your kids are going to get as soon as they get into an algorithm. So what happens is if a kid watches a video for 10, 20 seconds, the algorithms of the, whatever this magical machine is that (laughs) controls the internet and social media, they will pick it up and they will notice, oh, this kid is interested in pictures of people's butts. And then it'll just start sending them more and more pictures of people's butts. And then your daughter's 
whole feed could be filled with, do you want to have a bubble butt like this? Do these exercises, eat this food, take these pills, you know, try it. Like it's, you can't control the algorithm. And, and it's just from something like them watching a video for a few, few seconds. So we kids need parents to provide accurate information so your kid doesn't need to seek it out online. Kids also need parents to supply a healthy attitude towards sex, right? So we want to be uh, sex positive. We don't want to be sex shaming. We want to be inclusive and kind and open-hearted, but also provide values and context and say, you know, so the, well, we're going to talk about values, but having a healthy attitude towards your children's sexuality is hard for a lot of parents. We don't want to think about our kids as being sexual beings, right? Like we want to think of them as being young and innocent and like never <laughs> being sexual beings. But it's important that we figure out how to balance that and say, okay, like if I do, I do want them to have a healthy sexual relationship someday. And so how can I communicate that to them in a way that isn't, don't ever do it, whatever you do. <laughs> and something kind of dramatic, right? Or that like there's other things involved, like love and emotional intimacy and commitment that are also important. So healthy attitude is a wonderful thing that they're not going to get from their friends or the internet. And I think it's a privilege of parents to be able to share your values with your kids, right? And so in this day and age, there's a wide range of values when it comes to sexuality. And you might not have the same values your parents have around sexuality. You might not have the same values as your neighbors, as your sibling even. So the kids are being pulled into all these different directions. They've got the what TV shows, the values the TV shows are communicating, they're YouTubers, they've got um, you know, their friends, their their family, their neighbors, their church, there's the schools, like there's a wide range of values. And there's that's not a problem. The problem is that parents' voices are diminished. And the TV and the computer and the YouTube voices are very loud. And kids really do want to know what their parents think. But a lot of times, parents don't even know what their values are when it comes to sex. And so that's why it's important just to like open up the conversation and start thinking about like, what do I value when it comes to sexuality? Like, what, when my kid does have sex for the first time, what do I want that experience to be like? Do I, do I think it should be in a committed relationship? Do I think it should, there should be love involved? Do I think it should be wait, waiting for marriage? Like, what do I think? When is a good time to have sex for the first time? High school, college, marriage, adulthood? I don't know, right? So it's a good time to start thinking about these questions so that we can be a louder voice in our kids' ears because studies show our voice is the one they care the most about. But so often we get confused because we don't really know. And so we don't say anything. Okay. So the other thing that kids need is open communication. 
It's just one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids before they go off into adolescence and get so spun around and confused (laughs) by their peers. Because when the teenage years hit, like 13, 14, there's this natural pulling away from mom and dad. And they start depending on their peers more and wanting to identify as a, you know, with a group of friends or best friends or, and that's totally natural, normal. We want them to pull away from mom and dad, but they can pull away and have independence while still knowing that you are there for them. If there's a problem, a concern, a question, and you want to be able to keep those lines of communication open. And I think having the sex talk when they're nine to 12 is the best way to do that. And then building trust is the other thing that your kids know they can come to you with difficult questions and you've proven yourself able to handle the tough conversations. And that's what we're going to talk about is how to have that conversation without making it awkward. And so when they watch you overcome maybe your obstacles or your embarrassment or your own ego or whatever, and be able to see things from your kid's point of view or like just have an open dialogue, then they trust you to do that again in the future. It is so valuable when parents take an active role in their child's sex education. It really is an amazing gift. And most 10-year-olds are ready for the talk because they're just smart and they know that food goes into the belly and it gets pooped out, right? So they're like, okay, so then babies get pooped out too. And how does the baby get in there? And they have these little scientific minds. They have a lot of questions. They're super curious and they just deserve to know the kind of the facts of life and how uh, the species has become so successful and what's happening to them and their friends and what are some of the changes they're going to be going through. They're just smart and they deserve to know. So let's move on to five easy ways to have the talk. So we want to be able to start this conversation with our kids, but we can kind of, a lot of times we're prepared for it to be cringy. Either we're uncomfortable with it or they're uncomfortable with it. And maybe in the past, we've seen them cover their ears and la, 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 I don't want to hear it. Or they just kind of walk out of the room. And so over the over time, we've developed this awkwardness and we've kind of turned what could be a, just a natural, normal, easy conversation into something awkward and challenging. So the first step in having the talk without making it awkward is ironically to embrace the awkward. So when you can tell your kids, say, you know, I took this masterclass today and I'm supposed to be telling you some things that I have not told you. And the reason I haven't told you is because I get embarrassed and I feel awkward and I'm not really sure exactly what to say. But it's really important to me that you know the truth and that you hear it from me. So for the next 15 minutes, I want you to, uh, you could, I'm picturing this like in the car, in your kid's bedroom, whatever. I want you to lock me in this room and don't let me leave until I've said what I need to say. And just know that for the next 15 minutes, I might turn red. I might giggle. I'm going to get embarrassed. I might try to change the subject, but just know, let me work through it. And I'm going to get there eventually. Just hang in there with me and don't let me leave until I've 
said what I need to say. So you, you can make it less awkward by admitting the truth that it makes you embarrassed. You can tell your kids, you know, grandpa and grandpa did not talk to me about this. So I don't really have much role modeling. And so I might do it awkwardly, but bear with me. Okay. So the first way is to embrace the awkward. The second way to start the conversation is to have factual information on hand. And by this, I mean a book on the bookshelf or to take a class like the one I'm going to tell you about. But it's really hard to talk to your kids about the changes of puberty and that are happening from going from a kid to an adult and how babies are without visual illustrations, okay? So you're going to want a book with pictures nearby so that your child can, you can point to it. And then it's kind of this like, um, the book does the work, okay? You don't have to have all the information. You don't have to know everything. You don't even have to know how to talk about it in a normal, relaxed way when you find a book or a class that does that for you, all right? The important thing is that you are nearby and you and your child are learning together, that you're not like the fountain of knowledge. You're just saying, we're gonna learn this together. And if you have questions, you can ask me. And if I don't know them, we'll find them out together. But it's putting you and your child kind of on the same side and then having some really good visual illustrations nearby. And what this, this does a beautiful job of creating a bond too. Like if you can get over the hump and the embarrassment and awkwardness, then all of a sudden you're giggling together, you're talking about these things and it's, um, it gets from awkward to lovely very quickly. Number three, ways to have the talk without making it awkward delegate the job to someone comfortable with the topic. It's kind of like what we did with the author of the book, right? The author of the book is presenting it, the information in a healthy way. But you can also delegate the job to a teacher, to another family member that's more comfortable. So a lot of times I'll have parents ask me, you know, should my mom take this class with my daughter? Should my husband take it with my son? And that is kind of the old-fashioned way of doing it. (laughs) Um, Certainly, it's wonderful if you are like a single mom and you're raising a boy. It's wonderful if your son has another male role model that they can go to. Um, But it just doesn't matter (laughs) so much as it matters if that adult is comfortable with the topic. So I've had grandpas take this class with their grandsons. I've had aunties and dad's girlfriends and stepmoms take it. I've had um, friends of friends take it with kids. So it's really about who's demonstrating to your child that they're comfortable with the subject and is going to be around throughout adolescence. That's really more of the issue because this is going to create a bond with somebody. And so you want it to be with somebody who's around for the next you know, eight years. So I can come in as a teacher and I can tell your kids everything they need to know right now at age 10, but a year from now, they're going to have questions or problems or concerns or something they want to talk about. And I'm long gone. They don't remember my name. And so it's really important. The way I think about it in time for the talk 
is that your child is not going to remember the difference between a semen and a sperm, but they will remember who sat next to them while learning it and how they felt. And that is the most important thing, that they felt comfortable while learning and they have that person in their life still that they can go and say, hey, what was the difference between a semen and a sperm again? Number four, make it fun with friends. I don't know if you had the experience I had, but back in fifth grade or sixth grade, I don't know, maybe it was, but they separated the boys and the girls. They took it, they made the boys go to one room and the girls go to the other and they made it very like hush, hush and top secret and the lights were dark. And if you giggle, if you laugh, you're busted. Like we're going to stop this video right away. Like it was so non-normal. Okay, this was a very unique day in the entire educational career that I'd had, which is why I remember it. But we we want sex education to be about biology and respect for one's bodies, self-acceptance, respect for other people's bodies. We want it to be about empathy and compassion. So, and just basic knowledge. So this, this should be a normal conversation. And so when we make it all weird and dramatic, it, it sends a message to the kids, all right? So if you can make it fun with friends, then it makes it a more of like a normal conversation. And not only does it create that bond between you and your child, but also your child and their friend so that they can talk. Oh, remember that class we took? Remember how that weird lady that <laughs> told us about sperm and semen, you know? And But they can talk about, They'll have a shared language around consent, around, hey, that's sexual harassment and that's not okay. And I know what to what to do. Will you go with me to the school office and tell them we just witnessed sexual harassment? When they have friends there that have this shared experiences, shared language, it empowers them even more. It makes the topic more accessible and more um, just normal. So that's not so like hush, hush behind closed doors. We can only talk about this in private. We do in the time for the talk class, talk about private versus public um, so that kids are aware of certain conversation topics being appropriate in certain situations. Uh, Like I mentioned, that's kind of a new development that kids need um, practice with. So, but making it fun with friends is just an, a, beautiful way to make the conversation less awkward. So if you think you could do these four things, do you think it would help uh, you open communication with your kid? Number one, be honest, embrace the awkward, laugh at yourself, keep it light. Number two, share factual information in this natural, easy way. Number three, find someone who's comfortable with the subject matter to learn alongside, whether that's the author of a book or a teacher or another family, like if you, let's say, oh, husband and wife, uh, one's more comfortable than the other one, then you can be both there, right? And the awkward one can learn from the comfortable one. And then number four, make it fun with friends. If you could do all these things, do you think this would help you have the conversation with your child, the talk, uh, without making it awkward? If so, or if not, I'm going to offer you the fifth way to make 
have the talk without making it awkward is to sign up for my time for the talk class. So I'm going to be telling you a little bit about it more at the end, but this is a sex education class for parents to take with their nine to 12 year olds. We meet on Zoom for uh, an hour a week for four weeks. So it gives time for the conversation to develop over time. And it you get to sit alongside your child while learning from someone who's teaching your both you and your kid how to make the, the topic more um, natural and fun and accessible. We play games, we make it silly, and we don't take it so, so seriously. So the Time for the Talk class has four live group Zoom calls and four at-home video classes. So there's like short little videos, maybe 20 to 30 minutes that you watch with your child in between our live Zoom calls. And this really solidifies the bond between the parent and the child. And because it'll say in the video, it's like, pause the video and turn to your parent and ask them this. And we just do these little like icebreakers and games and activities to to make the conversation become a really natural thing. So it includes a recommended reading list, some PDF fun sheets, um, free coaching call for parents, one-on-one. So even if you're not interested in the Time for the Top class, uh, you might want to listen to the subjects that we cover so that you can make sure that you've covered all of these subjects with your 9 to 12-year-old if you're doing this on your own. So number one, the first week, I should say, we do the Zoom kickoff call with Tori. This is where we introduce the class and the guidelines and we get comfortable with the uncomfortable topics. That first day of class, the kids are like, oh, what am I doing here? In fact, I asked them, I said, what did you feel before you signed up for the class? And they were like, oh, cringy, face palm. They put like a little emoticon. Um, they all had like grunts. <laughs> they were like one word answers. Uh, uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> so that's how they come to this class. Some of them not. Some of them are very interested and curious. Um, but it was just funny to see their like one word answers. So uh, so we immediately get comfortable. We do icebreakers. We play a game called like, what's this class going to be about? And it introduces them to some new vocabulary words. We kind of giggle and laugh and and it just eases them into the subject matter so that they learn this is a okay place to be and you are safe here. So that's the Zoom kickoff call. The video class is we learning all about the human body and the reproductive anatomy specifically. So it's really hard to talk about how babies are made and born if they don't have an idea of the body parts. So they do a little body part puzzle that's the first week. The second week, we come together and we review the body parts. Again, playing games. This is the part of teaching that I love. It's like we get to learn through teaching, through playing games. It doesn't have to be, you know, boring. The thing is, I don't want this to feel like school, right? So I've done everything I can to, because we do it at the end of a school day. It's like in the evening during the week. And so I want it to be a very relaxed, fun experience for the kids. Um, so we review, we answer questions and we talk about puberty and the changes that are going to be happening. And then the next class is a puberty video where they'll learn all about boys and girls and some of the changes that are going through puberty. We'll talk about gender. Uh, week three, 
there'll be on the Zoom call, we'll talk about sexuality, sex, uh, conception, intimacy, and uh, gender discussion. Uh, just kind of like helping kids understand what, about what's happening with pronouns and why do some kids not identify with their gender. So usually during the um, during puberty is when you start to see kids struggle if they don't feel like they identify with their gender. Because um, before that, they might be, they're in a girl body, but they could wear pants, you know, they can whatever, like they don't, they don't have to identify as a female. But once those secondary sex characteristics start coming in, and like you have a, maybe a girl who starts growing breasts that can start to feel really uncomfortable for them or a boy who starts growing, you know, body hair or their voice is lowering or something. It It's when it comes to a head. So these, and during puberty, it, if a child doesn't identify with their gender, that's when they, they're going to start um, struggling. So I want parents to be prepared. I want kids to have open hearts if their friends are saying, I identify as non-binary and what that means and how to support them. Okay, so um, week three, the video class is all about conception and how babies are made and how babies are born. We're gonna talk about pregnancy, childbirth, and then also the challenges of teen parenting. One of the, the main motivations that I created this class was to reduce the rate of teen pregnancies in the US because ours was ridiculously high. And part of the reason for that is because we aren't great at sex education. So helping kids understand that sometimes teenagers get pregnant and how in the world does that happen? Um, and what are some of the challenges with that? And then week four, we'll talk about sexual harassment because middle school is the number one time that a child is likely to be sexually harassed. What does that mean? What does that look like? What do you do about it when you experience it or witness it? How do you help? And then we're going to talk about peer pressure and values. Not in that, like I'm teaching you values, but just in a, what are your values? And like, let's you and your parent compare and like mom does her values, son does his values. And like, where do they match up? Where are they different? Why are values important and how you can use them to help you make good decisions? So I want to introduce you to Sue. She sent me this email after night one of the class. She said, Tori, class tonight was so good. My son started off super annoyed with me because he was so uncomfortable. And by the end, he was skipping around and being awesome. You got it just right. Oh, that just warms my heart because her son was really resistant. And then the sec after the second week of class, she says, we thought the puberty video, worksheets, and bonus video were so good. He and I laughed so much. I'm so glad we are doing this. We are both looking forward to class tomorrow night. That is music to my ears. I want the laughter. I want the joy because I want your kids to feel like you are the person they can come to with intimate, important, embarrassing subjects and that it can be fine, you know? So, and I do have so many times kids have said like, I wish this class would never end. <laughs> like, it's just amazing. So I love that. But I want to tell you about Eric. So Eric was a dad who took time for the talk because he had had an early sexual experience that he regretted. He did not feel like he was emotionally prepared for it. And it always kind of 
sat with him. And he was afraid that when he started to educate his son about sexuality, that that would kind of come through, that he would have so much energy and emotion around it, that he was afraid he would say the wrong things or taint his child's experience. He just knew he wasn't in a healthy place with it. And he didn't want to infect his kids with his um, angst, I guess, or regret. And so he signed up for time for the talk. And what was beautiful about it is that he just got to sit there and he got to sort of be re-educated through a different lens. He got to think about it and hear about sexuality from a a perspective that was calm and balanced and natural. And so it helped him shift so that then from that class on, he could communicate with his kids without that angst and that, um, you know, worrying the truth was going to come out or worrying he was going to, his bias was going to show up in a weird way. So he was able to kind of reparent himself or reeducate himself so that he could be the dad he wanted to be for his kids. But probably my favorite story was these three friends that took my class together the spring before they entered middle school. So the end of fifth grade year, they're going off to middle school together, really tight knit friends. And because they took it together and their moms all took it together, they opened up the lines of communication between the six of them. And so anybody could talk about anything between the six of them, which was so wonderful, right? So they go off to middle school. And these girls became like the morality police for the other middle schoolers. They're like, hey, that's sexual harassment. That is inappropriate. You need to stop. And they would like monitor the kids like chats and group texts and online stuff. And they would confront them in a nice way. And they would like, they kind of took it on as their job to educate them. Because one of the things I say is like, Not everybody else understands about sexual harassment, what it is and what to do when you see it, but you guys now do. So now you're kind of accountable (laughs) to be the ones to call other people and help them understand what's wrong about that and why it's wrong. And so they really took this to heart and they went off to middle school and they stuck together and they did it and they made that middle school a kinder, gentler place to be. So I love that story. So Time for the Talk is a sex education class for parents to take with their 9 to 13-year-olds. So you might hear me say 9 to 12, and then I'll flip back and say 9 to 13. So here's the thing. If you you have a 13-year-old who's been just starting puberty, has been sort of sheltered, maybe isolated, maybe homeschooled, you might be able to get away with 13-year-olds. But some 13-year-olds, the window is definitely shut and they are like no longer accessible. And this class is a harder pill to swallow. So we we need to change our technique if we're going to educate a 13-year-old whose um, door has literally started closing. So you can still talk to them and it's important to do so. You just need a different technique. So that's why I sometimes vacillate back and forth between 13. It really depends on the kid. Um, in fact, I think Sue's son was 13. And look, he loved it, right? So um, that's why it, it, it's a case-by-case basis. <laughs> All right, so it is this class is designed to help open lines of communication so kids learn that their parents are the ones to turn to for questions about puberty, sexuality, health, and relationships. 
It also teaches kids the value of emotional intimacy with fun, lighthearted, factual conversations. Because someday we're going to want our kids to have a conversation with their partner that's emotionally intimate about birth control, about where do we see this relationship going, about like, are we committed to one another? Like, those are emotionally intimate conversations that we want them to have. And our kids are growing up and into a hookup culture where it's not promoted to have emotionally intimate relationships. It's about one night stands or hooking up or swiping right. And uh, if somebody wants a committed, emotionally intimate relationship, sometimes it's there's not a lot of social permission to admit that. And yet we are wired to be in relationship with other humans and to be committed. And emotional intimacy is a beautiful, wonderful thing that we don't want our kids to think is a thing of the past. So I love this class because it shows kids the value of emotional intimacy by having factual sort of private intimate conversations in a fun, lighthearted way. So they experience like, gosh, that was so fun to get to bond with my mom. It was so fun to get to giggle with my friends about, you know, looking through this book and talking about sexuality at the sleepover. Now I feel closer to these girlfriends and it's created this emotionally intimate bond. Why would I ever want to have sex without that emotional bond that feels so good? And especially with like, you look at the accessibility of online pornography and stuff, we're we're getting so far away as a culture from valuing emotional intimacy that I really think it's important that we demonstrate for our kids the that there's a win. <laughs> there's a wonderful win. Okay. So maybe you are thinking, Tori, this sounds all well and good, but my child doesn't want to talk to me about this, right? They plug their ears. They walk away. They just are totally closed off. And to that, I say, I understand. <laughs> that is, there's some kids are super open and they ask a ton of questions. And there are other kids that are not. And they don't want to talk about it and they want to remain private. And so I, I just want to tell you what I had um, one parent do that was in this situation. They, they said that, told their daughter, it was her daughter was closed off. She says, I know you don't want to talk about this. I need to learn this information. This is for me. Um, I can't take this class without you. (laughs) So you don't have to say anything. You just have to be there because it would be creepy if I signed up for this class without a kid. But you can hide under the table. You can put a hood. I always tell them, like I always give them permission the first night that like you can be off camera. And when I taught this in person, I had one kid the kids always love this story for some reason. But they, so they put their hood over their face all the way down and then pulled the drawstrings up. So all you could see was this child's nose <laughs> sticking out from the hood. And they sat like that for like the first two weeks of class. But then by the third week, the hood was off. They're asking questions. They're participating in the games. You know, it's like, it's okay. You don't want to talk, but we still need to do it. It's important to be honest. 
you might be saying, well, Tori, won't they learn what they need at school? And so Stephanie had the same question. She's like, maybe I could just let the school take care of it. Like, I know I should be involved, but if this school's thing coming up, maybe I'll do that first, right? And she went and she checked out the video. The district allows parents to preview the videos that they're going to show before they show them. And she watched this video and she was so like disappointed at the limits of it that she said, you know what? I'm going to take this video and I'm going to use it as a conversation starter so that before my child sees the video that I can have this conversation. And she just started like a little bit every day talking about things and having books. With the books, you don't want to go to the library. You want to buy them and you want to stick them on your kid's bookshelf, put it in the bathroom, you know, leave it laying on their desks for them to read by themselves and not not only with you, but just to, to make it seem more normal. I used to keep a book in my car and it started by accident. I didn't know I had a book in my car. And then my daughter's um, friends, we were carpooling, you know, and they found this book and they started giggling and they're like, oh my God. And there was a girl in there who was a few years older than them who didn't know any of this stuff. Like my daughter knew more than she did. And she was maybe like, hmm, I missed maybe 12 and the rest of the girls were 10. And so she was like, wait, what? Show me this picture. What happens? And it was just a bo- basic body book. It wasn't even like sex or how babies are made. It was just like the human body and their parts. And she was so intrigued. And so that's where I started um, kind of planting the books uh, in different places because it creates such a nice bond between the kids. And it's so fun to hear them giggle. So some parents have asked in the past, is this a Christian or abstinence-based program? And the answer to that is no, because research has shown time and time again that abstinence-based programs do not reduce the rate of teen pregnancy. Uh, They might be part of the contributors to teen pregnancy because they teach abstinence and nothing else. And so this program was designed to reduce the rate of teen pregnancy and empower kids to make decisions um, that are right for them and to think about things ahead of time. And so one of the best ways to prevent teen pregnancy is to have aspirations for the future. So one of the things that we talk about, I forgot to say, um, is I think it's in the video, is the last, very last class is thinking about your future. Do you want to have kids someday? How old do you want to be? What do you want to have accomplished before then? And just planting that seed and helping them realize that they've got a lot of fun times ahead of them for the next 10 years and that having kids uh, can wait. So the answer to that is no, but this is a class that helps you define your own values or communicate your values. So it might be like turn to your parent and ask them, what do they think about this subject matter, you know, like what are, do they think this is right or wrong? So there's plenty of opportunities for parents to insert their own values. Um, So my kid says he already knows everything and, you know, and that stuff, that's kind of what happens when the kids get older, right? If they're 13, they're like, I already know everything. You can't teach me anything. I already learned this in school. There's nothing you tell me. And for that, you want to say like, well, tell me what you learned, then explain it to me. Like, I'll be the kid, you be the teacher. Tell me what I need to learn because the, there's so much in the conversation that's changing. They're leaving parents out 
in the dust. Like what's sex positive? That sounds like a good thing. How do I do that? Like, we don't know, you know, what's happening with gender. What do you mean? They, there are they, them like what the heck, right? So kids are able to teach just as much as the parents are, you know? So I think there's, it's a great opportunity for parents and kids to learn side by side. So, so I'll go through this really quickly. This is what the time for the top class will give you. It's four live Zoom calls for you and your child to attend together with me. These, this is a like about a value of about eight hundred dollars. Uh, I include some icebreaker activities to help you open up communication, which is a hundred dollar value. There's four instructional and interactive videos. Again, this is not school. This is interactive for you and your child to watch together at home. That has a value of eight hundred dollars. There are also four Q&A videos of us, my partner and I, answering kids' most frequently asked questions. So this is, I didn't talk about this before, but this helps kids feel normal. They love hearing what other kids ask. And so that's the benefit of the, the Zoom class is kids will ask questions, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they will wait and they'll just ask you when you're private. That's certainly what my daughter did was she didn't ask any questions in the group. But when we were one-on-one, she asked a whole bunch. But sometimes kids don't even ask that one-on-one. And so that's why there's this video of the kids commonly asked questions over the last couple of decades I've compiled. And then you can see the mentality of like where they are. Like, how do I know when I'm ready for a bra? And the boys and the girls both hear both. Like it's really important to me that boys are educated on what's happening to the girls and menstruation and tampons. Oh, they love learning about tampons because they're so curious. They've seen those little metal silver boxes in the women's bathrooms. They know they don't have those in the men's. They're like, what? And then they love knowing that that's what those are for. (laughs) So they, I just, I love this age. Oh, I love this age so much. So these Q and A videos, it's like $600 value. It includes 10 PDF fun sheets that help to integrate the learning. So you watch the video and then you do the fun sheet. That's a $500 value right there. Like, what did you just learn? Let's put it into practice. Let's do a little, you know, puzzle or write some things down to help sink in to the brain. And then this time for the talk class that you can take also includes a one-on-one coaching call either before, during, or after the group class. So sometimes parents have used this before. If you want to tell me a a specific situation, whether your child was adopted or in vitro, or there was some sort of, um, you know, they have two moms or whatever the situation is, sometimes you want to talk about one-on-one before just to let me know. Um, Or if you've got, sometimes you have parents having a history of sexual abuse, they want to kind of, you know, make sure, let me know that they can get triggered or whatever. So lots of things can be discussed before. I want to give you the opportunity to have that private talk during the class. Like, And if you're going through the class and you're like, oh, something just came up. I have a question. My kid asked a question. I don't know how to answer it. Then you can schedule this one-on-one in between the four classes and kind of help walk through it or like, oh my God, this was a doozy. How do I handle this one? Or then after the class, If the class is over and something comes up later, or you just want to use a free life coaching call to say, you know what, I'm stressed out about my job, or how do I get my kid to do their homework? 
<laughs> uh, you can use it for any topic that you want. So this time for the talk class also includes a parent preview and pet talk. It's a Zoom call where we come together before the class begins, where it's just the parents and they can uh, get to know me, ask me questions. We're going to preview the curriculum so that you'll know what to expect, but also kind of benefit from some group enthusiasm in case you're nervous or you're like, how do I get my kid to come to the Zoom? What do I tell my child I signed them up for? You know, we want to release those worries and doubts so that you can be confident and excited with this class and then present that to your kids. Like, oh my God, kids, I'm so excited. We signed up for this class. It starts at this time. You know, we're going to sit on Zoom and it's like, we're going to be great. It's going to be great. So we want you to be confident with your kids and um, to rest your worries. So we'll together, we'll do this parent preview Zoom. And this is a few days before the classes begin. So make sure you sign up before the parent preview so that you don't miss it. Okay. Cause I could send you a recording, but it's, you know, nice to have like, have everybody come together. I'll show you how to use the platform that we're meeting on and where the zoom videos are. We'll go over the technical stuff as well as, um, you know, kind of talking a little bit about, uh, what to expect and releasing any worries. So in this four week class, I've got all these very valuable components that total up about a $3,000 program that time for the talk is worth. So if I was to sell this to the school district, which I've been asked to do, I could easily charge them $3,000 for this class. But I am not going to charge you $3,000 for this class. <laughs> but I want you to think that if this, if all this course did was to create a bond with your child that's going to last through adolescence, and beyond, if it opened up communication with your child and set the stage for important and honest conversations, do you think it would be worth it? Would that be worth it to you? If it also prevented teen pregnancy and taught your child that sexual sexuality includes respect and consent, respect for oneself, respect for other people's bodies, consent, would that be worth it? What if it also helped you feel like a good parent who did the right thing to set your child up for success? Do you think that would be worth $3,000? This is more than just a sex education class. This helps you teach your kids what they need to know to feel confident and comfortable in their skin. To know you opened up communication in a way that demonstrates your child can come to you with any topic and to create a bond that will last a lifetime. So the cost of this class is not $3,000. It is only $399. This is under $400 class. And think about what you pay for after school programs, club sports, like summer camps. Like this is nothing. The value that this class gives you is so much more worthwhile than just a little after school class. Okay. This strengthens your bond. It increases your child's sense of self. It helps them accept themselves exactly as they are, right? Because it starts with the body. We got to accept our body and all of its parts as it is. It increases empathy and compassion for others. It gives confidence to handle changing and challenging times in the future. So if you're interested in signing up for Time for the Talk, 
you can go to timeforthetalk.com. And there, there will be a sign up. So you want to make sure you sign up before the class, uh, the parent preview and pep talk class. So sign up today. If you come to the parent preview and you decide, you know what, this isn't for me. I don't think my kid is ready. It's not, you know, going to work for us. You can get a refund. You will absolutely 100% get your money back. If you come to the parent preview and you decide it's not a good fit, not a problem. Okay. I want everybody to be there to be ready to be there, excited to be there. And um, if you can't make the live Zoom classes, that's okay. I will record them and make them available to you. Like if you've got gymnastics and you've got soccer and a lot of times these kids do, you've got a play rehearsal that night and you miss one of the classes that you can still um, sign up. Not a problem. So you're gonna preview the class before it starts, take a look around, watch a video, get a refund if it's not a fit, okay? I want you to be 100% confident and that's what the parent preview and pep talk is for. So here we are. You got two choices. You can continue to, you can go it on your own and start having the talk today with your kid using the tips and suggestions I gave to make it less awkward. Um, Or you can sign up for time for the talk and be done cross it off your list and I will handle all the hard stuff. (laughs) You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think about it. You just have to sign up and show up. So I've made it for as easy as I could for you to save you time and money. But uh, if you are wanted to try and do it on your own, then send me an email and I will try and get you the recommended reading list. I'll send that back to you so that you can start with, you know, having books at home. All right. So I have a couple of questions I wanted that people wrote in and um, had I'm going to answer them, but you are welcome to go. If you're ready, you can go sign up now for $3.99. But I want you to know before you go, if you would like to save money, you can sign up with a friend. So if you and a friend sign up together, because I really love the like, you know, it's like safety in numbers, right? When kids are nervous to have a friend there or a cousin or somebody that lives across the country, they can join in on Zoom and you each get to save $50. So it's $50 off of you and $50 off of your friend if you sign up together. So you can sign up now or you can go email your friends send them this class, send them uh, the sign-up sheet at timeforthetalk.com and see if they're willing to sign up and save you money as well as themselves. Uh, I want to read something from some parents that took the class as well as what the kids had to say about taking the class. So Rebecca said, this class is the best gift I have given my daughter. Our relationship is so open now to talk about all the changes she's going through. Rebecca and Tom. Jennifer says, this program is brilliant and it really is so much fun. You will feel empowered and oh, so much closer to your kiddo. Run, don't walk, sign up now. Thank you for those wonderful testimonials. Here's the kids. I love hearing the comments from the kids. This is the, before the class began, I thought this is where it's yeesh, weird, face smack, awkward, no, cringy. (laughs) That's where they were coming in. Now, as I said, not everyone. Some kids are really fascinated. Um, but sometimes they don't want to admit it or they're excited to take it. A lot of times if their older siblings took it with me, then they're excited. But after the class was over, I asked them, so what do you think now 
after four week class. They said, I thought, I think it's interesting. It's not bad. One kid said encouraging, which I thought was a very big word for a, you know, 11 year old, whatever to say, encouraging. Um, one kid said, now it's comfortable. It was better than I thought. Uh, one boy said, I liked spending this time with my dad. One kid said it was fun. I liked sharing it with my friends. And my favorite comment that I've heard multiple times is, uh, came again from this one girl. Now that I can talk to my mom about sex, I can talk to her about anything. So here's one of the questions that I often get is, should my husband sign up with my son? Uh, You know, should, so I get a lot of questions about parents and kids, but also uh, children. Should I sign up with both of my kids? Should my husband take it with my son and I take it with my daughter? You know, that kind of stuff. So as I mentioned, like, I don't think it matters. I think it's great if you're, son has dad around and can like ask those questions. Um, but you guys could take turns. Dad could take it one time. Mom could take it with the other, whichever parents more comfortable, whoever you think your son's going to go to for questions. To me, it doesn't really matter, but it is great if, you know, we're talking about puberty and your son wants to ask dad, like what his experience was like with puberty. It might be very different than what mom's experience was like with puberty. So I think it's a good conversation for both of you so that you know, your son can benefit from both. Um, but also to those who have questions about multiple children, okay? Here's what I have to say about that. If I like to leave it up to the oldest child. So if you have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old and you're saying, should I sign them both up at the same time? I would ask the 12-year-old what they think. Do they want to have their younger sibling there? Sometimes it's like a little safety blanket. (laughs) Um, Or do they want to have this time one-on-one just with mom or dad and not allow the younger sibling? I think it's a privilege of the older kid who's closer into puberty to let them decide. So that is my opinion about multiple siblings. And if you say like, okay, I've got, Sometimes I ask like, why my, I'm going to sign up with my 10 year old, but I've got a 13 year old too, who didn't hear it. Like they missed out, you know, should I have him come or whatever? And so for that, I say like, you can have, he can be nearby. He can be in the background listening if he wants to, you know, kind of like hanging out off camera and let him kind of opt in off out, hear it in the background. Just don't put the pressure on him, but you know, so you know your kids, <laughs> whatever works. If you have a question, you can always use your one-on-one coaching uh, session to help with like an individual personality trait. I'm happy to talk with you about that. Um, I have two boys, 11 and 13. Can I sign them with both together? Okay, yeah. So this is a, you know, a question. If you ask the 13-year-old what he thinks, if he says, you know, no or whatever, just kind of let him say, or the 11-year-old can participate, but I'll be off camera. And just kind of like negotiate it and see what works best, but trying to give uh, kind of honor the older kids' preferences. And then another question I get, are you comfortable working with kids who aren't neurotypical? And for that, I smile with a warm-hearted, yes, I adore neuro- kids who are not neurotypical. Um, I 
you know, I was a classroom teacher and I had a lot of kids who were not neurotypical and they are the ones that stick in my heart more than any others. So, uh, yeah, I'm fine with it, but with neuroatypical kids, you know, they're all so different. Everyone is unique. So Sue's son, she didn't think it was going to go well, ended up going really well. Um, but you can decide if you think it's a good fit for your kid. If your child had a hard time with um, Zoom online learning and they have like an old kind of a sour taste in their mouth from it, then maybe you just want to watch the videos at home and you watch the recording and they don't have to attend live or they can attend live while also, um, you know, playing with something with their hands, you know, uh, coloring or something that they can kind of do something else while they're attending live. You know, I had a kid with ADHD, so she had to, uh, gave her all these coloring things to do while we were like reading books or listening. She needed something to keep her hands busy, fidget toys, things like that. So, um, yeah, whatever works for you. It certainly works for me. All right. So if you have any other questions, you can, um, go to timeforthetalk.com, sign up, and I will, um, happily, uh, answer them on the, the parent preview and pep talk, or you can shoot me an email at tori at lifecoachingforparents.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I will love you and leave you. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.